Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. So let us pray. Lord, we do pray that this familiar psalm would live uh, to us afresh, that we would see it, Lord, in ways that would bring life and encouragement and strength and blessing to each and every one of us, and also in ways that would challenge us to heed it, to hear it, to mark it, to inwardly digest it, and, Lord, to be shaped by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 95, it's probably one of the best-known psalms in that it features so much in, in Anglican worship. It's what we call the Venite. So it oughtn't to surprise us that this psalm reminds those gathering together for worship why they gather. We come together to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his most holy word. Uh, And this is all captured in this psalm, Psalm 95. The first seven verses encourage us to praise God and to worship God. And then the verses that follow, verses 8 to 11, urge us to listen to God's voice, uh, to hear God's word. It's a great psalm, full of encouragement and equally full of challenge. And the psalmist begins with a a rallying cry. Oh, come, or come on, uh, no slacking. It's an invitation to worship. Worship is just not one other thing that we should consider doing. Uh, It's that which we ought to do, that which we're called by God to do. It's our great privilege that we should come into his presence and worship him and praise him. That we should seek out and look for ways to come together to praise him. And we've been doing that during these past months. We've been seeking new ways that would enable us to worship and to praise God together. And the church should never be shy about saying to the society around us, uh, those who come regularly, those who come occasionally, those who never come, join us. Come on. Oh, come. Please come. This should be something that we're not shy about saying. And I want to encourage you in these days to be those who are giving the invitation to others to come in all the different opportunities that there are for you to invite others to come, whether it's watching something live or actually if we're allowed to gather together by the time you're listening to this to to be bringing others to the place where they can come and where they can come and sing to the Lord and make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That's verse 1. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let's remember that we sing not so much for our benefit. We sing 
unto the Lord. Let me state uh, the obvious that maybe still needs to be stated. Uh, we need to sing in a way that doesn't put others at risk. And for that, for now, that might put some restraints upon how we practically sing unto the Lord. But it's right that we place a very, very high value on singing. On singing out loud, on singing clearly and loudly to the Lord. Engaging in worship. If you're listening to this, I would encourage you uh, later on to find a place and just sing out loud somewhere, somewhere that's safe unto the, the Lord. Regardless of whether the music that's chosen at a church service is to our taste or not to our taste, it's nothing to do with our taste because we sing to the Lord and what we sing should be joyful and it should be loud as well as joyful. And it should lift our hearts and our minds and our voices to him, to the source of our salvation, to the rock of our salvation. And so we sing, we worship the Lord because of who he is. He is the rock of our salvation. He is our savior. He is our great God. He is the king, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. He is the eternal God without beginning and without end. And yet he became man. He took on human flesh. He came down from heaven to earth. He became one of us. He lived among us. He dwelled among us. The invisible God became visible. The intangible God became tangible. Even in his post-resurrection appearances, he said these words to Thomas. He said, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and put it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas's response, my Lord and my God. As well as calling the twelve to follow him, Jesus extended his love and his welcome to all, to lepers that he touched and healed, to outcasts that he sat down with and shared meals with, to publicans and sinners that he accepted and that he forgave the Gentiles, those outside of the Jewish race, you and I, that he included among those that he hung for and suffered and died for on the cross. He took all our guilt and shame. He took all the guilt and shame and sin and he died to save a sinful world, each and all. And by his death on the cross, and by his resurrection, by his might, empty tomb, 
by his mighty act of defeating death, Jesus conquered death and destroyed the sting of death, opening the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Opening the <coughs> gates of heaven to all who would believe in him, to all who would trust in him. And in his ministry, Jesus opposed every system that degrades humanity in every way. His love was for all, to bring any and to bring all into his saving embrace, extending salvation and forgiveness and new life and peace and joy and the gift of heaven to all who would trust in him and enter into a, a loving relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. The psalmist points forward to that in the verses that follow. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Friends, we have a lot to sing about. We have a lot to sing loudly about. We have a lot even to shout about because he's the rock of our salvation. He's our great God. He's the king above all gods. He's not one of equals. He is the only. He's our creator God. He's our redeemer God. He's our provider God. And we are his. Similarly, in another Psalm, Psalm 100, which we call the Jubilati, we're told it is he who made us and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we come, and we come singing. We come shouting. We come singing and shouting God's praise because he's our God. And secondly, we come as a people who are thankful. We come as those who know the things for which we are thankful. And we don't hold back or we're not restrained. The noise that we make, the songs that we sing should be loud and they should be full of joy and full of exuberance because they should flow from thankful hearts and thankful lives. Verse 2, let us come into his presence. I love that. Let us come into his presence. Wherever you are right now, welcome his presence. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. These verses remind us that while Almighty God doesn't need our thanks or our love, yet his heart rejoices when we thank him, when we thank him for all that he has done for us. He is the Lord God Almighty and the heart of God rejoices when we thank him for his goodness and for his loving kindness and for his love. 
those things are enough to cause us to raise a shout and when we count all the ways that God has blessed us that in itself just counting our blessings is something that's good for us because our hearts become hearts that are filled with joy and our faith increases and and grows and we find strength to meet our tomorrows and to deal with our current circumstances we increase in faith and in trust and in dependence upon him as we truly worship him and love him from our hearts and because it's real such worship will attract others to God and our lives will become more attractive attracting others to God too Many people will be blessed in lots of ways if you and I follow the invitation of the psalmist and learn to offer thanksgiving to God. So in our worship, let's sing. In our worship, let's shout with thanksgiving in our hearts. And let us also bow down and kneel. These are some of the physical ways that can actually help us and aid us in our times of worship. Verse 1, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Then verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We tend nowadays not to sing the next four verses. They've even been excluded in some provinces of the Anglican Communion. But to ignore the rest of the psalm, to ignore the next four verses, is to overlook what happens whenever the psalmist's heart is lifted up in worship and in praise. There's something else that's so, so crucial that begins to happen that we also need to place a very, very high value on and work at and do much better. Yes, we sing louder. Yes, we shout. Yes, we kneel and bow down before God. But we should then begin to desire to hear God's voice and to listen to God's word. So it's more than a mistake to overlook the next four verses it's actually something quite dangerous to overlook these verses verses 7 to 11 today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as at Meribah as on the day at Massa in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof the way they had seen my works for 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their hearts, for they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Just as God spoke very clearly to Moses, which these verses make reference to, and just as God spoke very clearly to God's people in the days of Moses, and to God's people on numerous occasions since Moses, God still speaks. 
And you and I must not have unbelieving hearts or disobedient hearts that choose to ignore God's voice or choose to disobey what deep down we know is true and right. Because if we overlook God's voice, if we disobey God's voice, we will miss God's favor and God's blessing. Verse 8, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as at the day at Massa in the wilderness. Verses 10 and 11, for 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their hearts, for they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. If we sense God speaking into our lives in any supernatural way, the manner to know if it is God or not is to check, is this in line with God's word, with God's spoken word? Is this in line with God's word in the scriptures? Because God never contradicts himself. We believe his written word and God never never, never contradicts his written word. We believe the Bible, the whole of the Bible, and God never contradicts his word. A whole generation didn't get to enter the promised land because of their own belief, because of their lack of believing obedience to God and to his voice and to his word. Verse 9, when your father's put me to the test and put me to the proof though they had seen my work. The writer of Hebrews would later, picking up on these verses, caution or, or highlight or underscore them when he said in verses 12 and 13 of Hebrews chapter 3, take care brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another even today, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be, hand, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In private and in times when we gather together, as we worship, we need to learn to hear God's voice. We need to be those who, in our relationship with God, get to know God deeply and intimately so that we recognize the voice of God's Holy Spirit as he prompts us, as he leads us, as he speaks to us words of encouragement, words of challenge, words of truth, words of correction, words that will build us up. And he never contradicts himself. He never contradicts his word, the written word of God in the Bible. Whenever you and I gather together to sing and to shout and to kneel and to bow down, we prepare our hearts both privately and corporately to hear from the scriptures, to hear and to meditate on God's word so that we begin to obey God's word and put into practice God's word. So in our times alone with God in small group Bible studies, when congregations gather together in part or in whole, 
we listen to God's word and then we trust him and we obey him. We read in verses 24 and 25 of chapter 10 in Hebrews. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as some, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, without hearing God's word. Without an open Bible, without hearing the scriptures and obeying the scriptures, we will fall away. Unless we hear God's word, believe God's word, do what God's word tells us to do, and actually also share God's word with others, we will fall away. One of the people groups in the world that I admire so, so much are our brothers and our sisters in North Korea, which is the nation in the world where Christians are persecuted most. A North Korean man came to understand the gospel. Initially, when in a dream he saw someone invite him to follow him and he recognized that this someone was God. Later, having escaped to China, the same man was given a copy of the Bible and his life as a disciple and as a follower of Jesus Christ then took off. I have here in my hand a Bible North Korean Christians will in this way fold their Bible and put it into a jar and they will bury it in their garden and in the middle of the night they will get up in the middle of the night and they will sit in the cold and uh, temperatures of a way below freezing point and they will read God's word because that's the only safe place and the only safe time for them to read God's word so precious is this word that they will read it and so precious is it that they then live it and many of them, because of their obedience to it, have died and have died martyrs' deaths. Our brothers and sisters in North Korea know how important it is to obey and love and read and hear the words of this book. And when they sing, as they do often in prisons, or as they shout God's praises, or when they kneel or bow down, they do so so that their hearts 
would be opened more and more to love and follow and serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ who loved them and who loved us and who gave himself for us. In normal times, we are free to shout and sing his praise. And as soon as we are not putting others at risk, let's be those who shout and sing and kneel and bow down, but also those whose hearts are open to hear and to obey the whole word of God as we would seek to live our lives for his praise and for his glory. Let us pray. Lord, we do ask that you would pour into our hearts a, a, a deep and a new love for the Lord Jesus, a deep and a new reverence for our Father God, a deep and a new desire for God, the Holy Spirit, that, Lord God, we would worship you, we would sing, we would shout, we would kneel, we would bow down, and, Lord, that we would offer our whole lives to you, and, Lord, in offering our whole lives to you, that, Lord, we would listen to, hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest your word, so that, Lord, your word would bear much fruit in our lives for your glory. So, Lord, increase our hunger and increase our appetite to hear your voice and to do your will. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Donnelly Parish podcast. We're happy for this teaching to be shared for the advancement of gospel work and to help make disciples. For information about Donnelly Parish, please check out our website, www.com. Donna Cloney, D-O-N-A-G-H-C-L-O-N-E-Y-P-A-R-I-S-H dot co dot UK or find us on social media.